Hello, my friends. Today, we are talking to Erwin, the CTO at Uptessa, and we discuss the intricacies of planning and scheduling in manufacturing, how Uptessa's greatest strength is their people, and the near future of automated car manufacturing facilities. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Erwin. Hi. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Oh, not too bad. How about you? It's going good. I am so excited. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I want to know what life is like in India right now. With like, <laughs> we, have, we know what life is like in America here with like the coronavirus. What's going on in India? Oh, well, um, of course, uh, in if you're looking at the, the virus, uh, in the summer, uh, it's not the summer during the monsoons. That's typically when the viruses here are more active. So that's the time when we had a pretty bad spike out here. But now, actually, at least in Goa here, yeah, right now I'm in Goa. I don't know if you know where Goa is, uh, but Goa is a small state on the western um, coast of India. It's around 600 kilometers below uh, Mumbai. Okay, typically uh, it's known as a tourist hotspot uh, because a lot of nice sandy. Uh, beaches and stuff so so right now we are full of tourists out here i mean uh, typically in otherwise we have a lot of foreign tourists coming too but uh, in these days because of the virus and stuff so we don't have as many but well the the, the indian tourists are coming here like i mean as if nothing ever happened so i don't really know <laughs> uh, the virus really impacted us in that sense but actually it was pretty bad i mean a few months ago we had some known people and stuff who actually uh, uh, either had to be hospitalized or got a pretty, a pretty serious uh, attack of the virus or a couple of them also who unfortunately passed away. And so, yeah, in that sense. Uh, but other than that, it's actually, it's, the, it's very warm out here, or I guess you would call it hot because plus 30 degrees Celsius, I guess, is uh, uh, something you won't be having nowadays, uh, especially uh, in... Uh, I guess, in uh, north of North America, basically, right? I mean, probably you have your winter out there, there's snow and stuff, so, yeah. Well, I actually live in a town that's very similar. I just looked the map uh, for Goa up, and I live in, like, a touristy beach town uh, that's pretty much hot all year round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool, because uh, the, the thing is, that, uh, like, a lot of people, when I'm having my meetings with my colleagues here in Edmonton, I mean, you know, Edmonton sees temperatures like minus 30, minus 25 degrees Celsius, right? So, and it's, that's the time when I make fun of them, you know, like saying, hey, like I'm on my, I'm on the beach here in my beach wear. So, <laughs> so and that's it. Just yesterday on a Zoom call, I took my phone outside because half of our team is in like Nebraska and it's freezing, snowing, blizzarding, right. and we have like blue skies and it's like 80 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Everyone hates us right now. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Let's talk about you. How did you get started? Like, did you, did you grow up in Gao? Did you move there when you were a kid? Like, tell me about that. Yeah, I I, I actually uh, was born here. I I grew up here. I did my college here. Uh, I mean, I went. Uh, I was doing my, uh, my engineering, mechanical engineering, and uh, so as I was doing my engineering, that's like you know the final year. Uh, wherein I, you know, decided that I should uh, 
Uh, I took some courses in industrial engineering and operations research, basically. So that's the time was the spark, basically, to do uh, look more than just engineering. I mean, in the sense, uh, just enjoyed what I learned in those courses, like, you know, operations research basically was very interesting for me. And uh, so that led to this journey, basically, which means the journey wherein I was in Goa, from Goa, I went to Mumbai. Um, and I can give you more details later, but just in short, from Mumbai, then ended up in Edmonton, Canada, of course. Uh, I mean, that's another story there, also how I actually ended up in Canada, but I'll, I can get to that later. And then from Edmonton, Canada, I was there in, with Optessa for like now, I'm there with them for 15 years. And uh, recently, I... I uh, spoke with our CEO and stuff that I would like to come back to Goa. Mm. I mean, two, two reasons. Uh, one was, um, of course, more for family reasons. I mean, my whole family is here. My family, my wife's side family. So it's, it was only me and my wife and my two kids who were uh, in Canada. So they were missing their grandparents and stuff. So that was one reason. Uh, and second reason also, we had an India office uh, and that needed to grow. So it was a, it's a, it can, can do two things. So that's the reason why I have actually in the last uh, four years actually been uh, working from, almost five now, uh, working from uh, our India office here in Goa, actually. So, so that's how, that's, that's, that's the story of how I started from Goa, went to Canada and the, uh, I mean, and then come back now to Goa, basically a full circle. Smart move though. You wanted to be back there. So you analyzed the business, you found, you put together a business case to see if it was possible, <laughs> if it did make sense, and then you presented it. I mean, so many people have a hard time with the creativity aspect that anything is possible. No, that's that's true. Like, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, sometimes, you know, it's also luck and things which fall into place. I mean, uh, in that sense. So I'm going to be thankful for that also. I have to also be thankful for our, our late CEO, I mean, uh, Vasu Netra Kanti, I mean, May his soul rest in peace. I mean, he was a wonderful man. And uh, he actually allowed me this opportunity, actually. And I, when I put forward the case also, like you know, at that time, we were only around one or two people in the India office. Uh, right now, we are around 10 of them. And uh, the only reason, of course, we have not even uh, like gone more is because, of course, this year, uh, we were not sure what we wanted to do because of this whole virus thing, right? We were not sure what's the impact going to be in that sense. So, but yeah, but like, I mean, the office in the last four years, we have gone from two to 10. And actually, we want to grow it further because we're getting a lot of nice, good people here also. So uh, that is a key thing in a way. So what does Optessa do? Like, what's the 10,000 foot overview? If you look at the tagline, it says optimal intelligent scheduling, right? Uh, but really, what we try to do is uh, we try to help customers, which are mainly the manufacturing uh, domain customers to do better planning and scheduling. Okay, so what happens is that uh, typically people are so much aware of, uh, say, supply chain and uh, you know uh, ERP and MRP systems, but uh, many a times the whole idea of a plan and a schedule required to, to run the plant more efficiently is typically people do not look into it much. Uh, but the thing is, they are pretty difficult problems, very tough problems to solve. For example, like, I mean, uh, let me give a simple example, right? I mean, you might have heard a, a, a traveling salesman problem. A lot of people use it. Everyone uses mm -hmm. it as an example. So if you have, say, like, even a 60-city problem where a salesman has to make a tour of all those 
60 cities and come back in the shortest possible time or distance. If you look at all the possible tours which are possible, uh, you will be exceeding the number of electrons in the universe, basically. And so, which means if you actually have a computer to solve and evaluate each and every solution, possible solution, that's going to take years, right? And most of these problems, what we call the sequencing problems, uh, they have this type of complexity, but we call it them like the NP-complex or the NP-hard complexity, right? And so these are really uh, the things of what we help our customers, right? So we say, you know what? You've got this tough problems. We know it is difficult for you. We can help you right? We can help you. And there are measurable benefits which you can get, basically. Uh, for example, um, in uh, some of our customers, we have actually shown uh, like uh, a 10% improvement in the throughput. Now, 10%, someone may say, oh, it's only 10%. But actually, if you, if you go and measure it in terms of uh, the dollar amount, it can be millions of dollars. And one of our customers actually came back and said, for uh, it was a mid-sized plant, and it was close to like uh, $4 million a year that they have been saving just because we have been using Optesa, basically, right? So in short, I mean, you can get a lot of benefits by, you know, coming up with the right sequence or the right plan uh, because most of the times these days, uh, even though we have so much of uh, computing power available, that people are still using spreadsheets, still using manual ways of coming up with their plans and, 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 and sequences. A human being, for that matter, cannot look at more than six, probably six constraints at a time. But when we go in here, when people see the tool and say, oh, okay, you can do this, oh, you can do that, we end up with like 50, hundreds, 500 types of constraints. And the, the software does it, right? So. That's the cool part, basically. We are there to help uh, our customers save money, if you want, in one, in one line, basically. That's a great business, because that's an easy business to sell. <laughs> like when you're selling that, you're saying, okay, you're doing this manufacturing process. We're going to watch you know, throughout the entire process. We're going to make that more efficient. And now you're going to save 10% or whatever the percentage is for them ends up being. And then they equate that back to dollars. So it's a pretty simple input output investment opportunity definitely for those savvy customers who have been able to actually take these numbers and come up with the actual cost they have seen the value of it right the problem the a lot of our customers or some of the customers face is they are not able to sometimes put in the dollar value uh, i'll give you a, a, a simple example recently we, we had one of our uh, uh, customers a big auto oem customer they were struggling to find what is the actual um, benefit if they went with, uh, with Optesa, what would be the ROI. And what we told them, you know, I mean, one simple way, just count what you can count easily. So uh, let's say that the, the paint batch size, right? I mean, in, 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 in manufacturing cars, like uh, the number of paint changes you do has uh, uh, a cost. So every time you, you change the color in, in the paint line, there is a cost. There's a cost because you need to, you need to clean the line. Uh, there are emissions. Emissions have to be controlled. So all these are costs. And in this case, they can easily, uh, easily calculate those costs. They are known. And just look at one constraint. And what they said is maybe one of these um, 
paint changes would be like a $13 or $15 or whatever it is. So they had an average batch size of paint batch size of two. And we showed them you can easily go more than six. Over the year, that turns out to be close to a million dollars, actually, in a way. Right. And that's just one, one constraint, paint batches. Now you look at so many other constraints which you're looking at. For example, what happens on a line also, I mean, if you've ever seen an assembly line, uh, you'll see sometimes, you know, there is be one of the worker who actually sits inside the vehicle and is working on it as the car moves down the line. At some point, then he, he has to stop because someone else has to get in because his work starts there. So what happens is you cannot have some of these vehicles, what we call in the, the, the difficult vehicles, right? Uh, to have them, a lot of them back to back because that will stop the line, right? So every time you stop the line, you probably are losing production of one car or two cars a day. And that you put them over the year, that's a huge loss, right? And that's what I say when you start around 10% throughput. Now you put all these things together, it's more, much, much more than the $1 million. It can go into you know tens of millions of dollars, actually. But the problem they face is they cannot measure this cost of, you know, okay, what if three of these difficult cars came back to back? How much of that loss would be? What if four of those cars came back to back? You know, those difficult cars came back to back. And so that's why, you know, sometimes they find that difficult to do that. But like some of those, uh, the savvy customers are actually doing it and they're seeing the benefit of it. And especially the big auto OEMs, for example, they have seen the value. And that's one of the reasons why almost... Uh, we have five of the top uh, auto OEMs as our customers, basically. It's because they've seen the value of uh, what we can give them. And they're there with us from like, right, for 10 years. It's not that it's just recent or something, right? And that's the beauty of that, basically. So, Have you called up Elon yet? He manufactures rockets. <laughs> he manufactures cars. <laughs> he manufactures batteries. Have you called him up? Yeah, at, at some point, actually, um, we had, uh, I think... Uh, tried an engagement uh, uh, with them. And I think at that point, they were not too interested at that, at that point in looking at something like this. But at least the traditional, I mean, the, I, know, I know everyone wants to move into EVs now. We have got a couple of, uh, we've got one of the EV manufacturers also recently as a customer, basically. Uh, but um, yeah, unfortunately, at that time, we, we, were, we had gone there and we had tried to, uh, like, you know, and they, they were not that interested at that point, but unfortunately. But, I would say if he's interested, for sure. I was thinking too, because like I have a couple of friends that have like robotics companies and things like that. And one of the questions that was running through my mind as I was looking at your logos and stuff, is this something that happens with like older, more mature companies when they have some time to sit back and like analyze? Is, is that more of your customers, like the Fortune 500 ones that have been around for a while um, and are just looking for small improvements versus the ones that are like, you know, 10 years ago, Tesla was just trying to survive, right? right. They were barely, exactly. barely making it. And some of these new companies, they're just trying to basically figure out how to meet market demand or get the market, get into the market correctly, sitting back and, and making a 10% throughput optimization. You know, so do you, do you notice that more of your companies are these like larger Correct. companies? Y yes. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, that's what has happened is actually the more of the our current customers are the larger companies basically. Uh, and then also there is another reason what else happens, right? Most of these companies, they tend to have a cycle, right? Uh, of And we need to also be be able to get in there at that time. Like, you know, they have, because they all of these are IT systems. So they have a cycle of, okay, maybe 10 years or something where the time they say, okay, now we need to replace this. We have um, like, you know, 
this no longer can meet our needs, right? So that's the one of the things. So most of the customers which we have, we also were able to get in there at the time uh, wherein the current system could not meet their needs. Uh, for example, right now, what happens is one of the two things you, you'll notice in the market are these two-tone vehicles or multi-tone vehicles, right? You have multiple colors on, like, you know, tones on, on the vehicle. Now, if you notice, you may say, oh, what's the big deal of that? But actually, it's a pretty big deal for these, uh, uh, for these, for, for these uh, paint shops, basically. What happens is if the, the, the car goes into the paint shop, it has to wait there for the first tone to dry. And then after some time, it has to come back in and get the second tone painted. So now what happens is your paint uh, body shop sequence is different. Your final trim body shop, uh, trim sh uh, shop sequence is different. And so now they're finding it that the current system cannot handle that because what they were getting before was a single sequence. And now we are telling them, you know what? We will do all this whole thing optimized together. That means we will make sure that your paint constraints are taken care along with your paint sequence and your body sequence will be taken care with your body constraints and your trim constraints will be taken care of with your trim constraints. And all this will be globally optimized together. No heuristics or in the sense heuristics, and that's what I mean by your greedy heuristics or your, uh, you know, your typical uh, sort-based heuristics or whatever it is, right? We're trying to find you a, a global optimum, which means we're trying to give you the best solution possible. So that's that's what we're trying. And like, you know, like uh, our customers have found that, you know, that, uh, that the benefits they're really getting are huge, really huge, basically, in that sense. So. Is your company, like, do you do this with your company in a sense, like with the sales process and the cut, like, do you analyze and mark constraints within your own organization? Do you have the most like efficient organization on the planet? <laughs> well, sometimes we do feel we should have used our own product on our own pl planning and scheduling, you know, but I guess uh, I, I, to be honest, you know, every company has its share of firefighting and stuff and things like that. So yeah, I must say that, I don't know, yeah. But what I would say is we do have a really good set of people. That makes a big difference. I mean, it makes and all the difference. Yes, yes, it is. I mean, and, and I say good set of people, not only in terms of how smart and how good and how brainy or how intelligent. You know, I mean, that is a given, of course. But it's the the attitude of our of our, of our people who come, right? And that's the reason why I have been there with this company for 15 years, right? So also a lot of my colleagues are there for 15 years. I mean, and people, our turnover rate is so small. Like, I mean, people come and stick with us and they say they somehow love being in this company. Though, yeah, we're not, we're not like big, like Apple or Google or whatever it is, right? We're small in that sense. But it's just that the people come and stay with us. And and you know, that and that I think is it's, it's also starts right from the top from our CEO, our late, uh, late founders, our late founder and, and our uh, founder, current CEO, uh, Ashok also. It's that the attitude which they have, which is one is of respect for everyone. Everyone is respected, okay? Everyone's opinions count, basically. And everyone is, helps one another. The atmosphere is very nice and lively and very, uh, like, you know, jovial. And it, it, it also reflects with the, our, our dealings with our customers. For example, each and every customer of ours has said that, we, you are the best guys to work with because, you know, uh, as far as support is concerned, right? Uh, like what they say is like, you know, you guys give us the support, which not, not others give. Okay. One reason is because we do our own support. Like we don't have a call center 
and things like that. We don't outsource our support, basically. Uh, many times, I myself have done support for some of our customers, basically, in the sense, because if I find there is some issue, because most of the support emails, I also see them, right? So if I see that, okay, there is something which I can contribute because of my experience, I will go and, you know, uh, 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 put, a, uh, put a statement in there or something to help out and say, you know what, okay, uh, maybe try tell, tell this customer to try this stuff or try that stuff, basically. So what happens is um, our, our, our own uh, people who work, they go that extra mile for our customers. Uh, just to give an example, this, uh, it was just last week, actually, last week. <laughs> what happened was, this is one customer, typically they have their support agreement between, say, their, their, their day shift for their, their daytime. And they had to get this uh, sequence out because their MRP process was waiting on it. So they had, this thing had to get done. And this, this sent us an email around 15 minutes before like no closing and saying, oh, please, 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 please do not stop your shift, right? I mean, uh, we need to get this thing out. We need to get this thing out. Now, the thing is, right, I mean, I was feeling bad of what to do. I mean, I didn't want to force our people to say, no, no you, you must stay there because the agreement doesn't require us to do that. But they themselves came and like, you know, and stayed up. The boys actually ended up staying till around 3 a.m., okay? That is from 6, a, 6 p.m. the previous day uh, to 3 a.m. the next day. And then from 3 a.m. to 4 a.m., they were now working with the customer to make sure that, you know, the sequence goes through so that on their side it gets done. Now, I did not ask them. I did not say anything to them. They did it out of their own accord, basically. And that was that is the key. That's the beauty, right? So it, it, it's this relationship what we have with our customers. You know that you know, we know we feel uh, they feel that we are not there just to make money, right? I mean, it's, we are they're genuinely there to help them, to 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 make things better for them. And I think that's what basically is the key of our organization. Really, we we do have better software. We do do cool things, but you know that makes a big impact with our customers. Yeah, sounds like you're hungry to solve problems, right? Because I know what you're talking about, staying up late, even though it's <laughs> you when you get hooked into that problem or you're like getting so close right. that great people tend to just want to see it through. You know, obviously it can't be like an everyday thing, but when it comes up, I know those moments. Those are those are some of the best moments and you remember them too. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. Right. I mean, like I remember it's right right from college, right? I mean, when you and you do those some of those things where, uh, yeah, well, most of the time your coursework, you're just, you know, well, okay, forget it. But there'll be some challenging problems which you actually like, uh, like you know, stay overnight or something like, you know, the whole night through just to make sure that you've understood that concept or you like that was a challenge you wanted to like, you know, do that. And that's exactly what Optessa wants to do is to solve challenging problems, right? Sometimes, you know, when Ashok and I, we speak, we say, you know what, uh, really, like, you know, I don't want to be a CEO. I don't want to be a CTO. We just want to go and solve problems. Maybe someone should come and do that job for us, you know, because that's what we love doing, really, in that sense. We love, we, lo we love, we love doing these problems, right? And that's one of the things also we want to, you know, keep going as a, as a company, as a, as a product company. That's, that was the key thing, right? Uh, that we are a product company that we need to keep going, growing this product, right? Otherwise, if you do not, you stagnate. And then that's the end of you, basically, right? That was one of the reasons I joined Optessa, basically, is because I wanted to be part of a product company. I mean, if I, uh, if I, my, I actually started off in uh, with one of our uh, IT services company here in India, 
uh, now it is par part of TCS. Uh, if you have heard TCS, right? You definitely mm -hmm. might have heard of TCS. That time, uh, 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 there was this company called Tata Unisys. I'm, I'm sure Unisys is still around, uh, but it was Tata Unisys. There was a joint venture between Tata's and Unisys. And I started off with them. And, you know, being in a services company, one of the challenges was, is this long sales cycles. I mean, we still have long sales cycles here, but, you know, there it was even worse. Because, you know, being a services company, one of the problems we faced then was, uh, uh, okay, you are trying to come in, you know, uh, solve this big problem. For example, uh, we were looking at uh, an airline crew scheduling problem, right? And they said, okay, where have you solved this before? And that was the problem right there, right? We should, we have this prototype here, we can show you and we can do this. Uh, well, but you know, we would like to have someone who has done this thing before. And so that was always this constant cycle. You show something and so where have you done it before? It was chicken and egg, right? I mean, unless someone gives you the first one, you don't know, <laughs> you can't, you can't see you solved this one before, right? So, and we, it was a constant problem, which, you know, which was getting to me basically. And that's when I say, you know what, I need to get into a product company. I need to get into a product company that innovates basically, which is constantly innovating, right? And that is how I actually ended up in Optessa. And, you know, that's why I'm, I'm still here. I'm loving it here, basically. Are you guys using any like AI or machine learning in your product? Uh, yes. So if you actually, I mean, what we do is we have a mix of various algorithms. Okay. So there's a mixture of AI. Um, there is mixture of uh, operations research, right? Um, mixture of uh, sometimes could be even heuristics, which we use and stuff. The, the, the reason is because, as I said, like just some time back when I spoke about the complexity of the problem, right? I mean, uh, there is no one size fits all, to be, to be honest. Because if there was, there would have been this one company who has it, and we would have not have been in business, right? Because they would have got all the business. So what happens is one of our strengths is that because we have a unique understanding, both on the domain, like for example, as I said, as I came from uh, mechanical engineering and industrial engineering, so I have a good understanding of the, of the domain, the manufacturing domain. Plus, since I've done my master's in industrial engineering and operations research, and I have an idea of how we can apply these techniques to this domain here. So a user does not need to know what is there behind the scenes. Right? He, doesn't understand, he doesn't need to know and see the complexity of this, what happens behind the scenes. So what he sees is there's something in his language or in what he understands, his constraints, his rules. Like for example, he'll say, I don't want a red after a white because you can get a pink car example, right? Now what that translates to behind the scene is something, some mathematical stuff or, or something else that is for us to figure out and do it. So that way, that's what we do as a product. So what happens is depending on the problem, the approach we use can be different. For example, when we are doing, say, sequencing, uh, we will be using, let's say, a similar to link-based type of algorithm. Now, now, SA was one of the algorithms people use for AI-based optimi optimization, for example, right? In that sense, if you have go back to the times when, you know, doing optimization using AI, SA is widely used. Genetic algorithms is another one which is also used in that sense. And there are many more nowadays. You'll find swarm of intelligence and end colony optimization and all sorts of so many names, basically. But they all come under the same category of AI-based algorithms or metaheuristics or evolutionary algorithms. So the various names are given to them, basically. At the same time, we also use uh, a lot of, say, uh, operations research-based 
techniques also, right? For example, when we are solving large uh, planning type problems, the, the underlying problem sometimes is more suitable for using a different type of algorithm, basically. And so that's the way we, we have, we do have a library of constraint types, a library of, uh, of algorithms, which we use based upon what the problem may be. And that's the reason we are successful. Uh, because otherwise what happens is everyone has this one, like you know, one heuristic, we'll say, this is the way you do it. You sort your things this way, and that's the way you sequence it, or that's the way you plan it. And what happens with that is you, you get typically a, initially a very good, like your first day sequence will be good, but your second day sequence will be horrible because all your stuff which you could not manage, you're dumping it at the end, right? It's like sweeping all your dirt under the carpet, basically. And that does not work because now when the time comes to actually send those vehicles to the plant floor, the plant floor basically comes back and says, what is this at your centers? I cannot build this because, you know, my plant will stop with the sequence you've given me. So, so that, that is the thing, right? So we have AI, uh, we have also operations research-based type of stuff. And we are also always looking out like, you know, for new things which may be coming, which may be useful for us. You know, that would, would help people, right? I mean, it could be either software or hardware. So many things go into play for these type of solutions, basically. So, Are you geeking out about anything in the AI or ML space right now? Right. So um, one of the things to be uh, what we are trying to do, in, especially with respect to uh, AI and ML, is is something like this, right? Is uh, when we give out, say, a plan or a sequence, people come and say, okay, especially when you're doing a plan, uh, these 20 or, say, 200 orders, we could not allocate or they could not be planned, right? They were unplanned. And the customer or the user comes and asks us, why was this not able to be planned, basically, right? And most of the time, it's not an easy answer, okay? Now, I can give you a little a long explanation here, just for explanation's sake. Uh, for example, um, what can happen is, if someone does a very rudimentary type of an algorithm, which is like a simple search or a simple greedy heuristic, what we call it, we'll say, I place this, then I place that, then I place the third one, and okay, the fourth one I cannot place. So that's the reason I have to stop, because of the third one. But in reality, it's just not because of that one thing which is there. It's a mix of five, six, or even 10 different things sometimes, which are together, which are causing that one thing not to get scheduled. Uh, I'll give you one example. You know, just uh, recently when we got this one uh, automotive customer, they, you know, typically what they ask us to do is that at the, uh, before we complete the sale, they ask us, here, this is our data. Can you show us what you can do? Okay. So we take in the data, we do what we call is a proof of concept, basically. And we show what, what you can do. And so they gave us two data sets. The first data sets, we actually gave them a paint batch of around 11 or 12 colors, uh, 11 or 12 of the same color. They were so happy. Then they said, you know what, you know, okay, okay, this was uh, a different one. Let's take this data set, which was like a one month later. And there we were just struggling to even meet six, get six. And for me, that was very confusing. I said, what is it? Why is it you're not able to get six? And so actually what we did is our team, we tried to do some of these uh, ML techniques here on this data set, tried to do some data mining and analytics and stuff. And what we found was something very simple. I mean, I, this is a simple example I'm giving just to understand, right? 
So what they were trying to do is one of the important constraints was they wanted to space out the hybrids. And hybrid is what I uh, said before, like it's one of their difficult cars, for example. So you don't want the hybrids to come back to back, basically. They wanted to say that between two hybrids, they wanted a space of 14 other non-hybrids. Okay. And what the what we did was try what we made, that whenever we try to space out the hybrids, our uh, paint batches started going for a toss, basically, completely. And so I asked them, this guy, you know, just try and see, do some analysis, try some of the ML techniques on this and see what you can come up with. And rightly enough, what they found was a uh, 92% of the hybrids, right, were of white color. Okay. And around 88% of all uh, whites were hybrids or something like that. So there was such a strong correlation between these two features that you can understand that right? moment you try to space out the hybrid, it was spacing out the color. So there's no way you could like, you know, uh, get your color batches with this constraint in. And so this is what we went back to customer and said, hey, you know what, on this data set, there's no way it's mathematically infeasible for you to get your run lens of six and we showed them some calculations basically. And that, you know, you either have to go back to your paint shop or to your uh, hybrid, whoever is, whether it's a body shop or whether it's your trim shop where the hybrid consider is important and talk to them and see, okay, what do you need to do? If you, if you want the best of both, something has to give basically, right? So, so these things are important for us and the customers are now looking for this type of input basically because no longer, okay, you know, you, you've given me a much better solution. But I still want to extract more. What is it that is causing me not even go further, right? So these are the type of things now that we are looking into, basically. And, and that's not easy some of the times because uh, just today we had a call, uh, an internal call, and where we found that when you start looking at these possible combinations and things, you end up into some millions and millions of combinations, right? So how do you actually go through this and make sense out of these and, you know, able to provide them to the user, which is useful for them. So that that is like the challenge that right now, that that is what our, is our, our goal right now to get into that, those type of things, basically. That's interesting information for the company because they could, uh, there's other options than just adjusting the paint or the ratio. You could adjust your business model exactly. or slightly and hire, maybe hire some people for the, so like that are specialized in the hard cars so that you could batch them at a more dense rate. Exactly. You have all sorts of options, right? Basically. I mean, that allows the, 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 our users to do a lot of what if analysis, what we say. Uh, another example was uh, um, some years ago, one of our customers, right? They wanted to introduce a, a new model on the line. You know, they already had two models, so introducing a third model, right? Now, typically, once you start introducing more models or more variants, the, the balancing of the line becomes very difficult. Sequencing becomes very difficult. There are too many constraints to manage. And, you know, one of their solutions was to actually do a capital investment and make another line, put another line up. Now, you know how much would that cost, right? That would be billions of dollars or a huge amount, basically. So they came to us and said, okay, you know, this is what we are, what we are trying to do. I said, okay, why don't we try it out? Why don't we try it out in our software and say, okay, if you add this line, you give me the set of types of vehicles you're going to do. Put in your, uh, the mix of the vehicles that you're going to have of these three models. And let's see whether we can actually meet it or not. 
And true enough, it said, you know what? You can actually meet your constraints and all these various constraints you have, the third model, and you don't need to put this huge capital investment. You have, in fact, you don't need another any investment at all. I mean, of course, you need some investment on your current line to rejig it, to able to ha handle a third model, but you don't need to add a whole new plant, a whole new line, basically. Right? So that itself saved the, saved the company tons, tons, tons of millions of dollars, basically, in that sense, right? So that th those type of things is what I, I would say is the power of the tool, right? I mean, uh, when you have these type of systems, you know, people can, you know, use them in, in ways much more than just coming up with a sequence because I need to get out a sequence here because my uh, MRP or my parts order purchasing needs it or whatever it is. There are so many things you can do with it. And in so many places, you can save money, basically. Have you gotten to go visit some of these manufacturing plants? Yes, person? yes, yes. What's some of the coolest stuff you've seen? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, uh, if, if you go over the over the years, right? I mean, the, the automation which is happening now in this stuff, right? I mean, uh, years ago when I was in doing my um, engineering, that's the time we used to go for these industrial tours just to understand what industry is. And that's the time when I had uh, visited some of those lines, a lot of stuff was manual, right? I mean, you would find a lot of workers on the line and stuff. Nowadays, everything is done by robots and so many cool things, right? I mean, you the number of people on the line are less uh, a lot of automated guided vehicles, uh, a lot of the, you know, those type of things. And, you know, which is basically that uh, people are moving to more and more automation, right? So what I say is it is like, a, like how people have now moved from cars with drivers to self-driving cars or driverless cars. You will see the factory also moving to a self-driving factory, basically, right? I mean... I mean, it, it, it's not too much distant in the future where you should see a factory completely being automated. And planning and scheduling has to be a key for that, for example, because, you know, you have to be able to react to something and say, okay, make a decision now. Oh, okay, like, you know, this vehicle was supposed to come here at this moment, but no, it has not come in. Uh, okay, what's the next best vehicle should I send? There is no one out there to make the decision. So you have to have yours, your your planning and scheduling software be able to make those decisions for you. And, and then that decision is sent to the MES system. And that says, okay, you know what? They'll send this vehicle here, which is there in your stock or in your buffer, basically. And it keeps the, your plant running in, in, in that sense. And that, I think, is the vision of what we at Optis are having, is this what we call in the industry 4.0, right? Uh, is that that's where we see planning and scheduling going as part of industry 4.2. Basically, are you going to to miss driving? Like when <laughs> when in in twenty or thirty years, when I think we'll we'll have this time where self driving like is coming out. Like right now, you know, you get some of the full self driving Teslas. You see them in other countries as well, and then we'll get to the point where like the majority of cars are self driving. Then like all of them, and and somewhere in there, there'll be this gradient of like I can take it off of self driving mode. And then at some point, there's going to be like one interstate that like doesn't let you take it off self-driving mode. Then there's going to be another interstate that like requires the self-driving mode. And then eventually, no more self-driving. And you're going to end up like at a horse farm renting a horse on the weekend so you can drive it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Absolutely right. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I can understand in the sense of, say, um, uh, driving. Right. I mean, 
a lot of people enjoy driving and I myself enjoy driving basically uh, I still uh, uh, love the the manual uh, the manual cars basically because it gives you the pleasure of it right so right there years ago manuals became automatic transmissions and now you have very few manuals in the market and so the same thing is going to happen you'll have hardly any uh, people driving uh, th that's going to be good and bad right the bad of course is people who enjoy driving will not be able to have the pleasure of driving uh, in that sense I hope maybe they can you know <laughs> they'll go to video games maybe and <laughs> learn to and do driving with video games maybe i'm not sure uh, but uh, like what what may happen with that is maybe accidents may reduce right in that sense because typically accidents happen because there's always someone who does not follow the rules right so in in this case like maybe because they are self-driving vehicles uh, assuming everything is going on well with the sensors and everything else there is no issues there uh, you'll have maybe less of accidents but you know uh, but then definitely the pleasure of driving will will probably reduce and go away in that sense you know it's interesting like as you're talking i'm thinking about this the the thing that one generation has to do right mm -hmm skip a couple generations and it's what that generation like almost longs for exactly so, like you used to have to ride the horses and everybody would hate it because it was so gross and dirty or and like everybody and then they got the cars and everybody's like woohoo we get to drive now and then everyone started being nostalgic and then only the like wealthy people end up having horses on their farms and i heard somebody say the other day that one day being able to like come down to earth and like go fishing or come down to earth and like go to the beach or something. That's going to be what only the wealthy people can do because everyone's going to be like in space and to come down to earth will be like a big deal. So now on the weekends when I'm spending time with my kids and like I'm going outside and going to the park and doing things, I just am thinking, Hey, I'm a person in the future. I'm living 200 years in the future and I'm like one of the wealthiest people in the universe. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, I mean, you can see that, right? With your, with, with the kids also now, especially nowadays, right? With the, with the, with the COVID situation and stuff, a lot of schooling is online and stuff. So the our kids have a lot of uh, screen time, the whole time they're on the screen. I mean, even before that, uh, people were all the time, at least the kids from, you know, at, I mean, we try to teach our kids not to be so much, with the screen time. But I mean, uh, you would see a lot of people on like because of social media and stuff and things like that constantly, you know, glued to their phones or the tablets and and stuff like that, right? And people are missing out the joys of going out to play, uh, interacting with other human beings, basically, right? Uh, I've seen examples where even within the family, like, you know, the family says, okay, dinner is ready by sending out a text message or, or a WhatsApp message or someone to their family, come for dinner or something, right? It's that the, the it's sad to see in that sense, like you know, that we are losing the human element of some of these things. So I think it's a, it's a, we we need to make make sure that we have a good balance of these things, right? In that sense. So, have you seen the the TV series Year Million? Uh, no, to be honest, no, because I, I okay, right? So you're gonna, I don't watch much TV, but I like the documentary type stuff though when yeah. I do. And uh, it's a National Geographic series, and oh, it's okay, called Year okay. Million. And it imagines the future in large chunks of time from where we are now to a million years in the future. Right. 
Uh, and it, it deals with some of these things like this family and it, they go back and forth between like experts talking about it. And then they dramatize a little bit, kind of like the social dilemma. If you saw that documentary, Hmm. but they, um, one of the things that they were dealing with was all of the family was like neural linked up except for the dad. And he didn't want to like do it. And he, and he was upset at dinner that everyone's like neural link talking to each other and not talking out loud. And then he finally gives in and gets it or whatever. But yeah, there's, there's a bunch of different, like, I think like 10 different hour long episodes. And it's, it's absolutely fascinating just the way it just to, to like stretch your mind sometimes and think about all the different things that are happening at the same time with, regards to our technology just massively expanding exactly that's true really i mean it's a fine balance really right i mean and that's what i i try to teach uh, my kids too like i mean make sure that you have this balance right i mean otherwise you you may just like i mean go completely uh like you know get lost completely in one thing and then you will not be able to like ever enjoy what it was meant to be a kid like you know to go out and play to have fun like that like you know uh, and then that sense so yeah, it's it's important to. Have the they're going to be telling their kids though. You have no idea what it's. You need to be swiping because you're <laughs> using just the neural link. You're so you don't understand the joy of swiping <laughs> yeah, and the play true. button. Yeah. <laughs> you're just using your neural link, right? Yeah, with my with my kids, sometimes like even even when it comes to you know writing a WhatsApp message, sometimes I have to use their help because they know what it means to right swipe or left swipe or something and this all those various things. I don't know all these things, and I feel a little. Oh, okay. Like, you know, so they know a lot more than what we do when it comes to these type of things. And you can imagine. Oh, yeah. I, I have nephews and I, they were over at the house and they brought their, you know, video game console and they were playing some game. And I was like, oh, let me jump in and let me see this. Cause I mean, I spent hundreds of hours a year yeah. gaming, like, you know, back in the day. And I, and that wasn't even like 10 years ago, but like, they're so complicated. Yeah, it's like, how do you know what's going on? Exactly. There's yeah. there's no way this whole generation can both have ADD and understand what's going on in these video games at the same time because you <laughs> need like next level concentration to understand these exactly video games. Exactly right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, this is great. I really enjoy talking to you. Have you been, do you follow like OpenAI and what they're doing there? Do you, do you get excited about that type of stuff? Yeah. So, for example, uh, right now, like uh, just to say, like, you know, in terms of what um, Optesa is really like, you know, looking at, I mean, one is, of course, I just sometime back talked about uh, AI and, you know, it's how important it is for us. Uh, but even like, you know, for example, uh, I can talk about in, in the operations research field, one of the new things is semi-definite pro- programming, which is like, you know, that is something what we are also trying to follow another important thing for us by the way is what what is that i'm sorry to interrupt you but i've never uh, heard that before oh okay like you know semi-definite programming i don't know okay yeah it It, it is because like you may have heard of linear programming and integer programming non-linear programming right so that's the next big thing for solving convex problems basically right so uh so things like that are uh, we, we have to look and as i said right we have to always be aware of what these new technologies are coming up because that helps us stay ahead in the game so we also have to be aware of what is happening on, on the computing side. Uh, for example, right? I mean, when I first started off, by the way, uh, the, the machine I was working on was an x86 processor with 2 MB RAM. If <laughs> How many people know about those things these days? And when I, uh, when I came to Canada, 
the, the machine was a Pentium 16 MB RAM. And I was so happy. Oh, wow. Like, you know, I could actually solve a problem now, you know, in the sense, because it had computing power. And today, one of the reasons we are able to solve this problem is because of the computing power, right? So that's another thing we are, we are actually keeping a, 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 a watch on. Nowadays, computing, like a lot of, uh, like a few years ago, what we did was um, when CPUs started having this multiple cores and stuff, we were able to uh, enhance our underlying architecture to be a parallel computing type of an architecture, right? We could have multiple threads and parallel processing and stuff. And because of which we were able to reduce the performance, uh, you know, by three times. I mean, uh, the time taken to come to a solution by three times, basically. There was a huge gain in the performance. So now what we're looking at is now we see a lot of, especially in the AIML field, we see a lot of uh, uh, GPU-based computing happening with CUDA and stuff and things like that, right? So that also is something we have to keep an eye on because that can be another game changer and it will allow us to solve uh, larger and larger problems. Now, and I'll tell you what I mean by larger problems, right? I mean, typically when someone makes a sequence, he'll say, okay, I'm making a sequence for a day or I'm making a sequence for a, a, a week. Uh, just in today's call, I said I was having, having this call with this customer. Uh, they're talking of uh, month-long sequences and stuff. And we're asking month-long sequence, like, I mean, that's you're trying to sequence like uh, 30, 40,000 vehicles sometimes. Like, you know, why do you want to such long sequences? And then that goes back to saying, okay, the more I can give something to my supplier in advance, the more is the stability I have with the supplier. Because sometimes one of the main reasons OEMs suffer is because the suppliers are not able to supply the parts on time. So the more advanced notice they can give them, uh, we can they can do a much better job. And Optessa does a very good job because we have something which not many people have, what we call is resequencing with bias, basically, right? What we say is that once you sequence something, the next time you sequence, we will keep a bias to your previous sequence so that your change points are much lesser compared to your previous sequence. So that means the suppliers do not see a huge uh, ripple effect of ups and downs. Like initially we told them, oh, tomorrow you have to supply uh, 50. Now we are telling them supply 500. That won't do. They will not be able to handle that, right? So now when as people are trying to extend the, the problems they are that's trying to solve, and that becomes a challenge for how we can get those things to solve in the quick enough time. And gone are the days where people were ready to wait for a whole day for a sequence. They say, no, I'm, I want it done within an hour. Because uh, a person right now, especially a production planning and planner and, and scheduler, is not going to uh, do just one thing, right? In the olden days, you would have in the department maybe three schedulers. Now, I mean, three schedulers per plant. Now you have one scheduler doing three plants, basically, in that sense. So obviously, looking for something very fast, very quick. So these things become so very important for us that we have to always keep an eye on these things. And not only that, finally, we are an IT system, right? Uh, it's also the, the manner in how we deliver this, this solution, basically. As the number of orders, a number of features grow, uh, it becomes a huge uh, impact on the architecture of the system. How can we handle that? How can we, uh, you know, how can our underlying database or the underlying software or the code or whatever you do, how do we come up with those, those improvements so that people can still handle this large amounts of data basically in quick time? That's always a challenge. 
So how did you, earlier you said you would tell me how you ended up in Canada and I was oh, yeah. watching the time and I wanted to make sure I heard that story. How did you end up in Canada? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. So I, I, I was saying that I was uh, working after, after my uh, master's in uh, IIT Bombay, which is uh, actually there, one of the problems I did for my master's that I solved as part of my uh, dissertation was a, you know, an ad agency, right? They have various customers. Uh, and they have a budget, advertising budget. And the idea is to uh, maximize their TRP. TRP is your television rating points or the target rating points, basically, that you have. And so this ad agency had a lot of, uh, you know, big customers and a lot of big budgets. And they wanted to make sure that their ads went on various programs, right? So there are, there are various requirements there. So whether it is like, uh, uh, you know, I, I need to maximize the goal uh, of uh, the, the reach, right? I need to reach the whole country, you know. India, you know, has more than 20 languages, right? So you have more than 20 different types of regional programs. So if you want something, an ad to reach the whole of India, you need to make sure that your ad goes out on these various, various different programs, for example, right? And at the same time, there are other lot of constraints which come in, right? So one of the constraints, for example, would be uh, you don't want to advertise any uh, women's products on, say, children's programs, right? So any sanitary products or hygiene products on, on children frame because that's you're not going to get any benefit out of that basically so so things like that uh so this one the ad agency had the problem and uh, at that time i was doing my dissertation in things like uh similar annealing genetic algorithms and stuff and uh so we we, we use this thing right and uh, these algorithms and they had their own in-house heuristic which they were looking and showed them a huge improvement and a and a benefit and one when you went to them and said, hey, like, you know, this is what you could do. He said, yeah, cool, very good. Uh, and then I was, I was expecting that he would give me a job offer then, right, basically. And he actually basically said this, you know, well, you know, I would have loved to give you a job offer, but, you know, the problem is this is too complex for me, what you have done. And tomorrow if you leave, how am I going to replace you? So, you know, I'll stick with what I have. And so that was pretty disappointing, basically. And, but at the same time, um, you know, I had spoken to others in, in the industry and, you know, they kept on saying, you know, you, you guys are solving these problems. I, I was telling them what we do in our course, right? And they'll say, well, you're doing these problems, you're, you're talking of optimality and stuff, you know, forget about optimality. We are running at 70% utilization. Can you give me 10% improvement, basically? And so that's actually, that, that led me, you know, saying that, okay, I, I, let me get in the industry. Let me see what I can do. And... So I joined that one company, as I said, the Tata Unisys at that time, because they had this group called uh, an ATG group or Applied Technology Group. And one of their divisions was uh, data mining, expert systems, resource allocation, and scheduling. So I, I was there with them for around three years. I, I loved my time out there, no doubt. I managed to get a, a lot of exposure to some real-world problems, whether it's train scheduling or cruise scheduling, or even trying to schedule ships coming into the port uh, because to minimize demurrage, basically, right? So, you know, you get a chance to look at all these things and it, it broadens your scope. You get to know so many different things, which otherwise you wouldn't know sitting in an office, for example. Uh, one of the cool things was like, I mean, uh, when you, the railway problem, uh, we went and visited these uh, the various stations and the various station masters. And uh, and we that one of the station masters said, you know, you should go and talk to the person who is manning the railway uh, crossing gate. And he was saying, a person manning the railway crossing gate, why would that be? You would think it's automated, right? At the moment a train is coming, it would sense it, automatically close the gate. 
And only then when you go and speak to the person, you understand the reasons. For example, this, he said, you know, some places in rural India, there would be a farmer uh, who's going with a bullock cart, which is heavily loaded, and he may be going so slow or he may get stuck on the tracks. If I have an automated gate, that guy is going to get run over, basically. So we cannot afford to have these type of things in certain places. Some places we do. So, you know, you get these types of insights into, um, into the actual problem. And you just, you know, you, you need to try giving solutions to this type of problems, understanding what the user really wants and not just trying to push a solution. Out there. But anyway, so that, that basically was my motivation, right? Is how can I, you know, give solutions to customers which really mean something to them, which are usable for them, not just for the sake of having a system. But after three years in that uh, entire Unisys, I felt that you know the sales cycles were too long. Being a services company, there's a problem. I needed to get to a, a product company. And so, unfortunately, in India at that time, we didn't have any of those product companies then. So yeah, I started searching for jobs. And uh, one of those, uh, it was a time you know when uh, if you have ever, if you remember, it was APS and FCS were those keywords were being thrown around that time when I2 was a very big name at that time, I2. And one of the competitors of I2 was Shivasoft. Now, one of the founders of Shivasoft was Vasunetra Kanti, who, uh, who was the founder of uh, Optesa, actually. So I applied for the job, Shivasoft. They were looking for an algorithm developer, right? And, and that's how I got this job, basically, with, with, uh, with Shivasoft. And the thing is, uh, I got the job, and I had to be there on January 1st, 1999 was my start date. Now you can imagine, right? I mean, I'm, it's nice said the temperature here is plus 30 and I get this job and I don't know where exactly I'm going, to be honest, because I'm going to Edmonton. You typically, when you're in India and stuff, you know, when you say Canada, people only know Montreal and will know Toronto. No one would know where Edmonton, Alberta is, right? And so I get there and I'm, the plane is coming into land into Edmonton and all that I see is white. I see no houses. I see nothing. And I'm thinking, where am I coming, right? I mean, I see only white stuff here. Am I coming to the right place, basically? And when I land, the temperature is like minus 25, right? And I was, oh, and I, the jacket, I, I'm not prepared for that weather, basically. So it was, it was fun, right? I mean, it was just the pure excitement of coming to a new place that kept me going. But really, and, and to top it all, uh, one of my colleagues from the office on 31st night, takes me out and says, you know what, let's go and watch the fireworks. And then at midnight, we're going out in minus 30 degrees Celsius to go and watch fireworks. <laughs> and I'm saying, what is this your sense of fun? Come on. Like, you know, <laughs> so that's how I ended up in, in Canada. That's how I started working with Vasu. And then when Vasu started his own company after Shivasoft merged with uh, another company, uh, I started off Optesa along with our current CEO, uh, Ashoka. That's when I also then joined uh, Vasu and Ashok uh, with Optesa. And then from then, since then, I've been with them, basically. Oh, that's such a good story. That's good. Through relationships, building relationships and growing together throughout your career. That's a great story, my friend. Definitely. And, and I, I really I've, I've enjoyed working with Vasu, working with uh, Ashok and everyone else, basically. Right. And, and that, that's the beauty of it. That just, that's what keeps us coming to work every day, basically. Right. It's, it's just this relationship that you build. Uh, unfortunately, when we had the, in 2007, right, we had this whole economic uh, downturn, right, because of the Wall Street, whatever happened, right? I mean, that's when manufacturing got hit pretty badly. That's the time when also Optesa also had to suffer because of that time, right? I mean, 
And uh, we, we like some of those. Uh, it was very, it was very sad for us to see some of our people go at that time because there was no other option, right? I mean, and they themselves realized there was no option, and they themselves decided to like you know find somewhere else or whatever it is. A lot of them, you know. But you know, those were the relationships which we really built with with these people, which actually are. Are, are, are things which you which you keep in your heart every day, right? I mean, you come to work, you do your work, but you know it's the people relationship, and that's what I sometimes I tell my kids, right? I mean, yes, you're so much on the screen, you're doing so many things to social media, but it's those people relationships are very important, right? And make sure to never, never, never lose them. Thank you so much for listening, and if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you would like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.